Thanks for joining us for a podcast from the Illinois Early Learning Project. Our project is part of the Department of Special Education at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and funded by the Illinois State Board of Education. On this podcast, we share information about how young children grow and learn, as well as strategies adults can use to help them thrive. My name is Rebecca Swartz, and I am one of the project staff members. In this interview, we speak with Elise Prosser, a speech-language pathologist from the Urbana Early Childhood School. Ms. Prosser received her bachelor's degree in speech and hearing science and master's degree in speech-language pathology from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and has been working in the schools as a speech-language pathologist for five years. She joins us to talk about supporting the language and literacy development of preschoolers and how IEPs, or Individualized Education Plans, are formed in early childhood programs. She also shares a bit about her journey to become a speech-language pathologist and how students who are interested in speech pathology might explore this career. Elise, it's great to have you here on the Illinois Early Learning Project podcast. Got to speak with your school leader and she told us about your inclusive early childhood program and she thankfully connected us with you and said you would be able to give us some insight into the speech and language part of the Inclusive Early Childhood Program, as well as tell us a little bit about IEPs. So first, I'd love to know a little bit more about you and how you became a speech-language pathologist in an Inclusive Early Childhood Program. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I started with wanting to be a teacher, but I knew that I wanted to do something more specific, more individualized. So I talked to other people in high school, actually, and my mom actually is a nurse, and she recommended speech. And she said, you know, speech pathology might be something that you want to look into. You could work in the schools, you could work in the hospitals. And so she connected me with a speech-language pathologist at a hospital. I did some observations with her, and I just really fell in love with it. I really liked the all the different niches of the, um, of the profession. And I then went on to major in speech-language pathology at U of I and got my master's and started working in the suburbs of Chicago. I worked at two different schools. I worked at an elementary school and an early childhood program. And then I have come over to Urbana, and I've been working there for the past four years, and I love it. Uh, Early childhood is just kind of where I think I belong. Working with kids three to five is really a joy. (laughs) They are changing so much, learning so much, and I really enjoy the, the excitement that they bring each day. Great. I know you work in an inclusive early childhood program, which means a program that has both children with disabilities along with children who are typically developing. I'm curious what a typical day is like for a speech pathologist in a program like that. Can you tell me a little bit? Sure. I come in in the morning. We have about 45 minutes of prep time. And then at 9 o'clock, the kids come in. The first session of kids come in. I typically am doing therapy from about 9 to 11. And then at 11 o'clock, in most of the classrooms, I provide a whole class speech and language lesson. So they'll vary by week to week, um, just kind of depending on what the classrooms need and some of the common errors or things that the children are working on. So I might work on phonemic awareness, I might work on different language concepts, answering questions, just kind of depends. 
um, and what the kids need in that particular classroom. Right. So you're thinking right. about the individual children who you worked with in therapy yes, and their needs as well as the needs of the whole classroom. That's really interesting because you mentioned earlier that you thought you'd be a teacher but you wanted to work on something more specific. So now as a speech pathologist, you are really providing support that's going to impact children's literacy and language development too because phonemic awareness we know is important for all children before they learn to read so that's really neat. What other types of things are you doing? I know it's a full day program so you have an afternoon session so you kind of repeat the morning. Yes. And then what other kinds of things do you do as a speech pathologist working on an interdisciplinary team with other professionals? So we are really fortunate to have an hour and a half in between the two sessions, which people think, you know, we have this long lunch, but that's not the case. (laughs) Um, We are pretty much always in meetings, um, so we might have IEP meetings during that time, but most of the days we have collaboration meetings, so we will meet with each classroom team. So I meet with the teacher who is a special education teacher as well as a regular education teacher, and the occupational therapist, the social worker, and then the psychologist sometimes, or the physical therapist sometimes if needed. Just to kind of touch base on what's going on in the classroom, if there's specific students that we need to really talk about each week to help them be supported in the classroom. You have children who have more complex needs, maybe, who have more... Um, complex disabilities as well as children who just need speech language support and then typically developing children in the program. I'm wondering, I'm listening to your day and how busy it is, <laughs> and I'm wondering about what makes this really different than working in a clinical type setting. I would say the biggest difference is just the ability to implement speech therapy in more of a natural environment. Okay. There is access to different peers both peers that are have disabilities as well or peers that are typically developing. So it really, I think, helps both sides because the children that are helping with speech therapy get to be my speech helpers. <laughs> so right. um, they get to participate in therapy because they always want to be <laughs> a part of the group yeah. as well as the students that are working on specific goals. So it's really motivating for kids who are working on specific goals to have a peer but it's also really fun and motivating for that peer to be the expert or to be to play with these mm-hmm. other peers. So you're really a facilitator of these friendships and relationships. That's neat. So is that what you what you talk about during the collaborations? Yeah, we we do try to talk about how can we get speech and language goals as well as other goals in the classroom at, during in the classroom and in other therapies so that we're all really working on all of the goals so that we can be most effective. Yeah, so that, that natural environment, that idea that the classroom is a chance to practice is really important and that's what makes perhaps this a special setting to work as a speech pathologist. Yeah, and it's really nice to be able to see them every day throughout the day. I think that that really helps build a strong relationship. Being in the classroom really helps me feel like I'm another teacher and so they look at me as as another teacher and just it just helps build that strong bond. When you talk about speech and language as a speech pathologist you're working really across the spectrum so you have children who maybe are hard to understand and what do you call those difficulties then? So articulation or phonology. Letter substitutions or? Yes yeah so um 
a lot of children are working on you know the K and G sound, so they might say tar for car or some of the noisy sounds like F and S and sh. So okay, so then you have those children, and then mm-hmm. you say the language is things like asking and answering questions or asking for things and mm-hmm. um, participating in conversations. Some children have difficulties that make you know such as autism mm-hmm. or other more complex disabilities that make that really hard. So you're working on the whole spectrum of speech and language. Is there a special name for these goals? Uh, So it depends on what they're working on. Uh So I might have a goal that would say, you know, articulation and phonology goal, or I might have a goal that is communication. So some students are coming in who are pretty close to nonverbal. They might have some words, but they're not functional. Mm -hmm. So they might say car, but they're not really pointing to a car, they're not asking for a car, they right. might just be saying. So for some children, it's really even just the, the communication, the aspect of being able to point to something in order to make a request um, or um, to be able to gesture. So you're, you're thinking of language in that really broad communication sense, being able to function and ask in the natural environment. Yes, and so. with those students, um, we do a lot of using pictures, like they, they'll exchange a picture to ask for something or they might have a communication device that's more high-tech where they're pressing buttons Neat. to request things. So. Cool. so those children have specific goals, you said, uh, which we uh, in special education usually call the individualized education plan. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about the IEP process. How do children come to your program and get identified as needing speech and language services? Maybe we'll start there. Let's talk about a typical uh, entry into your program. Sure. So there's kind of two different typical entries. So the first one is children that have received early intervention. Before they turn three, we have to have a plan for them, whether that's saying that they do need speech services or not. So before they turn three, they have a early intervention transition meeting in Mm -hmm. which their early intervention team comes and meets with their team and we talk about what evaluations are necessary. So and I'm actually a par- also a part of the um, assessment team. So I have a caseload at Urbana Early Childhood School of students that I work with, but I also evaluate all the children that are um, coming in from early intervention. I bet families are really nervous about this transition <laughs> because they're going from a program, early intervention in our state, that serves them in their home and childcare settings to a program that's more of a center, right? Because they're they're joining the school district. So, I bet you that's really interesting to see all those toddlers turning preschoolers. Yeah, it is. It it is important to really get a lot of information from the parents and also from the early intervention team because we really only get an hour to evaluate the child. (gasps) That's a very short time. (laughs) Yeah, um, because we have so many children coming in, we really don't have too much time to get them started in the process. So we do take a lot of what parents report and what early intervention therapists report because they really know the children best. Mm -hmm. Um, And we really get a starting point for them because as soon as they start school, a lot of things change and they make a lot of growth. So preschoolers um, change quickly. Yes. (laughs) Especially when they have, you know, those four and five year old peers. Yes. That are playing with all day long. It makes a big difference to have peer models Mm -hmm. for many of those children. Absolutely. So, okay, so that's one way they enter through early intervention. What's the other way children enter the program? So all of our children are screened 
before they enter our program and they're given a preschool overall screener tool and then they're also given the expressive one word picture vocabulary test. Oh. So that really just kind of helps us get a sense of where their vocabulary is at. It also gives us a chance to really listen to how they're talking, listen to their speech to see if there's any errors, um, and then also giving them a chance to kind of talk about the pictures and give us some sentences as well. So they come to screen, and how do you identify which children need to be enrolled in the program? So any student that has a concern in speech and language or social-emotional or sensory needs, if we have a concern about that student, whether it's a concern from the speech-language pathologist or the teacher, we have a red sheet that we fill out that kind of explains those concerns, Mm -hmm. and it will say something like, you know, we think that the teacher needs to watch for... um, academic readiness skills to Mm -hmm. develop or the speech language pathologist needs to really kind of monitor this child for these sound errors or sentence structure that kind of thing and then as the school year goes on we determine whether or not those concerns are still present or if they've really gotten their feet wet listen to other students and develop those skills naturally. So that's really interesting because that's what's special about this inclusive program. You're able to take children in the preschool for all basis who maybe are on the borderline of needing individualized support but just need that preschool experience to move them along Um, and they're along with the children who came in who we knew had identified specific needs. So that's neat. So you're able to work as part of this teacher team to work on speech and language. Neat. So then you say that if a child makes progress, then just monitor. If they if they're not making progress, does the process change? Do they do you have to bring in the family? How does that work? Yeah, so if they're not making progress and we we still have concerns, uh, we would start an IEP process. So that would involve obviously talking to parents Uh, listening to what they think about their child's speech and language development. And we would get together and have a meeting called a domain meeting. So we would look at all different domains of that child's day. And so that might include academic performance, functional performance. So how they manage. Can they follow the directions to go from the carpet to washing their hands to the snack table? Right. Um, right. Are they, that's because that's three-step directions. Can they do that? Can they hang up their coat and find a center to play with their do whatever is part of the daily routine, right? That's right, the kind of, right. so you're thinking about that child in the whole sense. Right. And saying, is there an issue at this specific level? Right. So, so. we would determine what areas are necessary or areas that we're concerned about that mm-hmm. are necessary for us to do further evaluation. Um, and then from there, we would get consent from parents to do an, a speech and language evaluation. And most of the evaluation really is thing really is things that we would already be doing. It's looking at pictures and answering questions or naming objects. Um, so we're doing standardized assessments as well as natural observations, so language samples, speech samples. Um, Great. So keeping track of what children are doing in their natural everyday routines and using that to support them. So the goal, I'm sure, of this program is that children have a really successful entry into kindergarten. They go into kindergarten and first grade being ready to read and write and learn and have having a, 
a good vocabulary and ability to communicate is really important for that. So just curious, um, since parents play such an important role in this process, can you tell me a little bit more about what it's like to work so closely with parents in these preschool years as a speech pathologist? Yeah, so a lot of times we are kind of the first people to point out certain things or find certain things about a child's speech and language. Um, I would probably say maybe half and half. A lot of times parents will come in and say, I'm concerned about this Mm -hmm. uh, speech-wise. And so we really get to talk about what happens at school versus what happens at home, and a lot of times it's very different. And parents really are the experts of their children. They know them best, so they are a really great resource. I do my best to explain to them what are some of the struggles that their child may have, as well as things that their child is doing well, Mm -hmm. and how to work on those goals at home. So what I try to do to get parents involved is I will give each one of my students a sticker that they'll wear on their shirt that says today Miss Elise and I practiced and then it'll just kind of give them maybe one or two words of what we've what we targeted that day and then um that is so helpful as a mom (laughs) of a preschooler you know sometimes you ask what what did you do today or you know tell me about and I and I'm an early childhood person so I have a lot more strategies for eliciting the words from my son but I can imagine if you didn't know how to get those words out of your child, um, that having that sticker would really help. Because um, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to talk about <laughs> things that start with the letter P, yeah. you know, or I'm supposed to practice answering questions and uh, or asking questions. So that's neat. I, great. That's a great strategy. That's so cool. I'm excited about that. <laughs> um, so you're really trying to help the parent be part of what's going on during the day to continue that work at home. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of work that we do at school, but they are only with us for two and a half hours. So (laughs) parents have a lot of power with the time that they spend with their kids. Sure, they have weekends and evenings Mm -hmm. and bath times and meal times. So that's great. So you really think about parents as being active participants in the learning process. That's neat. I'm going to remember that sticker (laughs) trick. I'm going to share that at conferences with (laughs) teachers who want to help parents know what uh, children are doing in the classroom. Very cool. So thank you so much for giving us so much insight into what it's like to work um, as a speech-language therapist in an early childhood program. Is there anything you'd like to say to people who are students who are interested in this field, how they might find out more? Could they come and shadow people like you? Or Yeah, so I, every year, have students um, observe. Do you have to have at least 25 observation hours. Oh. Um, and that's really strictly contact time, so when you're actually with a student or a client. So that can happen in the schools, that can happen in, in the hospitals, um, just to kind of get things going. And I would also encourage students to really reach out to different schools and, and observe classrooms that have students with disabilities and without disabilities. So maybe when they're in their um, child development classes as early in their college careers or in their high school years, if they really find that that's interesting to them, speech language is a viable possibility for Mm -hmm. some of them. Mm -hmm. Did you also have to know a lot about science and biology to be a speech pathologist though? Yeah, so um, we, I've taken courses in neuroanatomy um, and also pretty much everything above the waist is um, anatomically we had to know about breathing, oh, okay. um, breathing, swallowing, talking, 
all that kind of Okay, stuff. so that's really interesting. A speech pathologist works on all those things. Yes. So that's when you say children with more complex needs, though most of the children you work with are communication-centered, it's possible you're also working on swallowing or breathing-type issues with children with more complex medical yes. needs. Neat. Yes. Oh, we could talk all day long. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming in to record with me and um, share your knowledge with the Illinois Early Learning Project. And um, we'll look forward to potentially having you back to talk again. Great. Thank you so much for having me. The Illinois Early Learning Project website at www.illinoisearlylearning.org is a source of evidence-based, reliable information on early care and education for parents, caregivers, and teachers of young children. Thanks for listening and for helping the children in your home, classroom, and community have a strong start in their early learning.